0: Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now, let's check in for this
1: week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast dedicated to the growth, development, and advancement of three key areas of what I call the TLC arena, and that is teamwork leadership and culture. Hi, my name is Greg Gregory, certified speaking professional, coach and consultant, and podcast host and creator here of the Teamwork Advantage. And we bring you a guest each week talking about ideas that are relevant in today's workforce. Now, granted, they may have worked before, they're very, very relevant today. They may not have worked before, but they're very, very relevant today. And today is no exception when we talk to our guest. Um, Coming to us today from Santa Clara, California, is Marsha Dashko. She works with boards, C-suite leaders, and their teams to improve, innovate, accelerate, and achieve bold results never actually imagined. She's a provocative speaker, uh, contrarian, which I absolutely love. Um, she's also in, eager to challenge many management fads, and so-called best practices. She considers herself to be a pivot provocateur. She sees too many people struggling and failing when they don't really need to. She shares the barriers that get in the way of success. She introduces a new perspective that energizes leaders where they can experience greater productivity, healthy workplace, full of dedicated workers who actually relish in the joy of learning and getting to work. Oh, and by the way, when you're doing that, you're going to have amazing profits and growth. Marsh has been a strategic advisor, consultant for over 25 years. She's also the author of the best-selling leadership transformation book called Pivot, Disrupt, Transform, which, by the way, was published in 2018. We're going to find out. Did she have a, a, a crystal ball for what was coming up in 2020? Because those have been the key phrases as we move into 2020 growing up in the Midwest. She's now in Santa Clara, California. So welcome, Marsha Dashko.
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be here today.
1: We're excited to have you on board here with us because the three words of your book really intrigued me. Pivot, when you think about that, that's one thing. Disrupt is a little bit different. Transform is a little bit different yet. So I want to get into the book, but I also want to know, how did you get to this point? I mean, Did you wake up one day, say, I'm going to write a book called Pivot, Disrupt and Transform or what happened from the Midwest to Santa Clara? How did it happen?
0: Uh, Yes, I I think I've been continually pivoting (laughs) through my life and just also holding on for dear life. So um, I was raised in the Midwest, moved out here with my family when I was in college and then started focusing on um, corporate communications and marketing. That was my first career. And then I started working for a small boutique consulting firm owned by Dr. Perry Luckman. And he was helping um, organizations, executive teams, learn and apply Dr. Deming's philosophy of management. And for those who don't know Dr. Deming, helped turn around Japan after World War II and make them a global competitor. And then he worked with the CEOs from Ford and General Motors and other large corporations to help save our auto industry. And so I began working with Perry. And he, as he was, you know, working to help organizations like HP and Dow Chemical and so forth transform, Um, I then was doing the marketing. He said, I want you to do business development. I said, what am I selling? And off he sent me to Dr. Deming's four-day seminar. So Dr. Deming was at that time in his 80s, and he would be teaching his four days um, to 1,500 or 2,000 senior executives from across all sectors, from uh, corporate America to nonprofits, to the military, um, on and on, uh, healthcare education. So I, I attended, and long story short, then I met Dr. Deming, and he knew that I worked with Perry, and they were friends. And Dr. Deming said, come as often as you can to learn, and I will teach you. And so the two of them mentored me. I attended 20 of Dr. Deming's four-day seminars. Wow. then um, I uh, founded the Bay Area Deming User Group, which was a study group that we met monthly for over 15 years. And then I was a co-founding board member. Of the nonprofit into in thinking, and five of us started that organization. It was sponsored by Boeing, and we would have an annual conference to bring people together, and uh, it was be about a four day conference to help people learn and figure out how to apply Dr. Deming's philosophy of management as well as the systems thinking from Dr. Dr. Russ Ackoff and and other other Mm -hmm. gurus like that
1: it's fascinating because I think you're the first person I've ever met that actually had met Dr. Deming so yes I was
0: when I met him I was um, excruciatingly shy because my focus had been on marketing and writing and so forth and then I was you know tossed into a different world Mm -hmm. of a brand new vocabulary where I had not even heard the words that he was using. And I went back to Perry and I said, what is he talking about? And that's when I began to really study. So I was reading five to 10 books a week under, you know, Perry's guidance of what I need. And then we would sit down and have conversations for three or four or five hours about what this philosophy meant and how to apply it. And then Perry and I went go out to our customers and I got um, customers like Dow Chemical and Pepsi and so on. And so that's, then we did it, you know, Uh, hands-on.
1: I could talk to you for hours about Deming alone and the philosophies that go there. But without that, we don't want to go down that path right now. Uh, I want to get into some more things here, because with all of that, leadership is a huge thing today. And through this crazy mixed up world of the pandemic, I've often been uh, known to say the challenges that face leaders today are really no different because of the pandemic. They're just greatly magnified. And. Understanding behavior styles, personalities, how to delegate, how to work, how to motivate, how to stimulate, all of that is still a challenge. It's just magnified because of the pandemic. Am I on the right page there?
0: Yes. I I think the thing is there's a foundation. There's a foundation, and Dr. Deming gave us this too, is there's a foundation of a theoretical foundation of management and leadership. And I will say, and I was shocked when I learned this myself, I assumed that every executive team, especially in the Fortune 500, knew this because they had the job, they had the title, they had the salary, you know, all the corner office, everything. And then as I began to meet them and talk to them and over time, see how they struggled and floundered, and and their organizations would be internally competitive and so dysfunctional and toxic, and then they would they would either just be stagnant, or they would be going down a slippery slope. And sometimes it would take many uh, years or decades for some to go out of business, and for others, they were out of business. You know, it seemed like overnight. Yeah. So we've seen um, over the over the decades that, well, the first first Fortune 500 list that came out in about 1955, more than 60% of those companies no longer exist. So the, well, that
1: may, uh, is that partially because they were swallowed up by somebody bigger or...
0: Some of them were, but then you look at, you know, Kodak, Montgomery Ward, many of the airlines like Eastern and Pan Am. And there's when there's so many, when there's 60 percent, not all of them were just bought up by another. Mm -hmm. Many of them went out of business because they had the mindset of, oh, we're Kodak or we're whatever, ABC Corporation. Mm
1: -hmm. We're one
0: of the Fortune 500. We wouldn't go out of business. But, you know, before you know it, their pivot was negative and they went down. I mean, we almost lost Ford and General Motors. If it wasn't for Dr. Deming um, helping them transform, then we could have easily lost our auto industry because we lost many, many other industries. Look at where um, all the appliances are made. Look at, you know, I mean, one industry after another went offshore. Um, and it was, we, we lost our competitive edge.
1: And I'm fascinated that because it's so true the way that Deming took the process with the Japanese companies and helped those auto companies grow so rapidly and adapt. And then the American companies just felt that they were stagnant. And I go to companies, um, you know, like Carly Davidson and how they were struggling in that time. And it wasn't until they realized what they needed to do. And they basically pivoted to use your words and disrupted the way they did things. And now they're just, they're ginormous. Yes. You know? So you start to look at that. So if we talk about this in the areas of leaders, frontline leaders to mid managers, I'm not necessarily right now talking about the C-suite. What are they missing?
0: Knowledge. They um, and transformation has to occur, occur or they won't survive. And but transformation has to start at the board and at the C suite because people can transform in the organization, you know, mid, mid managers, right. process improvement teams, they can improve, but they can't transform the organization. Because they are in the organization. It is the job of the leaders, the executives, to work on the system, to optimize it and transform it. And that means breaking down the barriers and breaking down the silos so everyone can work together toward a single aim. So they have to have a compelling purpose and Leadership is responsible for communicating it. And then everyone has to understand how they contribute to it. That is the team. So it takes the compelling purpose, all the people together going in one direction. And that word together is essential. It's, It's about the system and optimizing the whole system. And that's where... Many, many, many organizations and leaders struggle and flounder. They've got too many, you know, like they divide up even their projects or teams or um, uh, they've got their silos. And what they need to do is they're full of complexity and waste and management fads and quote unquote best practices that have, uh, created so much um, internal competition. So that just dis- those dysfunctional behaviors um, that t- depending how bad it is, can be very toxic. And nowadays, we hear about the great resignation and all this stuff. It is not it is ugh, the all these buzzwords drive me crazy. But it is not it is. I, I remember one of my clients, and he was um, one of my in uh, a head mechanic in one of my plant companies, and he would say to me every so often, "Marcia, it's not that hard. Leadership is not that hard." And I was so, you know, get what he was saying because um, I have a strategic compass, and it's in my book, and. Okay and that strategic compass basically asks a leadership team five basic questions and as i and once they answer those questions together then i tell them they can manage they can lead an organization i don't care what size it is if you've got 30 employees or 300,000 They can manage off of one page, off of one piece of paper. If they have talked about these questions deeply and the, Mm -hmm. but the most important part of this strategic compass are the arrows. It's not just the answers. It's how all of the pieces fit together. Mm -hmm. It's all one team. It's together. It's going in one direction.
1: Mm. Wow. like my book, One Team, One Dream. That's right. And it's fascinating when we start realizing that. And I think philosophically, people understand that. Philosophically, they agree to that. But when they actually put, as my dad used to use the expression, rubber meets the road, they don't always do that.
0: They they don't see it. They can't see it because
1: is it because they, they can't are, see the forest for the trees type thing?
0: Yes, exactly. They are in the system. So let's say that a company starts and they they're starting to grow and all of a sudden they've got you know 20 or 30 employees and they go, oh, we need HR. So they bring in an HR manager, and that HR manager, I'm just using that role as one of the examples. They bring in the performance management, the performance appraisals. Um, the and they decide on um, individual. They need to hold individuals accountable, and they set you know target goals and one thing after another that leads them immediately. That's where it starts. It's like that is one area that they are the 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 management fads are coming in like like a monsoon and before you know it, the company is growing, but it's full of these um, quote unquote best practices and fads. And that begins to build the waste and complexity. I have not gone into an organization yet. um, When I go in to do an assessment for a week or whatever and talk to the people and see how they make decisions and see how they lead and what the culture is like. I have not yet seen any less than 50% waste. And I would say wow. 50 to 80% waste in every organization, but they can't see the forest for the trees. So
1: what, what kind of waste, just give us an example, what you mean by waste.
0: Okay. So for example, you've got your organization chart and you've got all your silos, your the VPs mm-hmm. of everything. Mm-hmm. And they don't talk to each other and design doesn't talk to um, manufacturing, doesn't talk to, or design doesn't talk to um, engineering, doesn't talk to manufacturing, doesn't talk to shipping, doesn't talk to, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they have their problems. And the end result is the customer is not served and there is no flow one of the most important books and the first book even before mine that i share with all of my clients and my mba students is the goal by goldrat so that was written as a, it's a fiction book it was written more than 30 years ago i think over 30 million copies have been sold you know all across the the world in so many different languages but that book is all about getting rid of bottlenecks so that you have better flow. So you want flow of work, flow of information, flow of communication, because it's like a river. When it's flowing, you know, it, everything runs well. If you've got a bunch of rocks, which are, you know, boulders, and you try to take a canoe or a raft down that river, yep. you're going to be tossed overboard. And I've yeah. been there, so I know that.
1: <laughs> and it's like when the river's flowing, you're going to have much more oxygen in the water, so even the underseas can thrive. So it yes. thrives above and below the waterline.
0: Yes, and you can flow down the river so fast if you don't have a bunch of boulders. So corporations, organizations are full of boulders, and that's why I I go into an organization. I see the boulders because I have a different lens than they do because they've been in with the boulders all these years. They 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 are used to the boulders and they don't know how to remove the boulders. So it's the status quo. That's the way we've always done it. And it's like And they may well, not
1: say that but that may be the actions they're taking.
0: What well, so they and sometimes I even say it. That's the way we've always done it. So why would we change? Even though they don't like the results that they're getting, I always ask the question, are you getting the results that you want? And I had one client come to me and he said, Marcia, I Marcia, the company's at 30 million. I want to take it to 35 or 40 million, but I have all these problems. Can you help? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll have to take a look. So I go in. And one thing we did after I assessed, we, I took them for an off-site meeting because I need to take them through new education. And they came into the room and they kept moving around. Before I even got started, they kept changing seats. I'm like, what are they doing? And it was, oh, they didn't want to sit next to that person or across from that person. I thought, oh, my gosh, I have never seen this. What have I gotten myself into? So we began, and long story short, at the end of the two days, they all gave each other a hug and said, "Have a safe drive home." That was their transformation. Yeah, and then they went from thirty million to not forty million. They went from thirty million to three hundred million because okay. and it was a, with about the same number of employees.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay.
0: And that's just a that's just a typical example.
1: So your book is called Pivot Disrupt and Transform. I want to talk about pivot. Yes. Obviously, you wrote the book in 2018. Nobody had any idea the pandemic of 2020 was going to happen. No. But one of the biggest buzzwords, 2020, 21, and even into 22, is we have to pivot.
0: Yes. And
1: it's a popular catchphrase right now and everything else. What does it mean? How do you define an organization doing a pivot? And I don't, because I know in basketball, you can do a pivot. You know, what, what does it mean in business?
0: It means that the leaders see a need and they make an abrupt, rapid change in direction. So for example, we did see that with the pandemic and uh, we saw it when Ford and General Motors went from producing cars to ventilators. We saw with the uh, distilleries when, when they went from making beer to hand sanitizers we saw it with louis vuitton when they went from making you know luxury handbags and so forth to um gowns for and so forth for hospitals so they they saw the need and they said we can do something what can we do how are we going to do it and once they identified the need the the purpose that they were going to fill and then they grabbed their team together and said let's do this how are we going to do it they got their method in place and then they kept improving improving until they were you know putting out you know for example those ventilators you know thousands and thousands of ventilators in different different countries even they opened Mm up um manufacturing in ireland with one of their facilities there and so forth so that is what it means it's seeing a need it's a sense and respond like the military has that that principle sense and respond you abruptly figure out what you need to do you get your your team together to do it um and you go full speed ahead to accomplish the aim okay
1: so those pivots, some of those were part of the national act put on uh, implemented by Congress and the President. What are some other examples of companies doing more simplistic pivots?
0: Uh, for example, there were companies that started during the pandemic. Um, I have a friend who founded a company during that time. He's been a serial int- entrepreneur, and um, but he saw that in he saw, okay, the, un, the, the schools are shutting down. So the universities were shutting down. All these students that had internships and um, job offers, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't go to work..
1: Right.
0: So he approached um, University of um, University of California, Santa Cruz. Uh, some professors there, and he said, "How about if we take these tech savvy students, and we've in our community, we've got all of these small businesses that have to have to close their doors because they don't know what else to do. So cafes and little stores and restaurants. What if we pair students with small businesses?" So that they can um, add technology so that the little restaurants were able to put their menus online and de- create a delivery service or, a, you know, you, you go to the restaurant and pick up your, mm-hmm. your dinner. So that's what they did. They matched the two. They matched the students who are tech-savvy with the small business owners who were not tech-savvy. Who knew what they
1: needed and they were able to develop it.
0: Exactly. And more than 80 small businesses signed up for help. And they saved saved those small businesses.
1: Fascinating. And put
0: the students to work in real-life situations.
1: And that's probably a better education than an internship would have even given them.
0: Well, that was, yeah, that was a crash course for sure.
1: So again, I want to look at leaders, not necessarily the C-suite, but, you know, the frontline managers. I mean, one of the challenges you mentioned earlier about the different silos and everything, we've got a lot of listeners on our podcast that work in um, IT help desk arenas. And a lot of those listeners working there, you know, they are the operations people. And then the company has uh, development people are putting out new software and those organizations sometimes aren't talking so that's a classic example of that yes but for leaders that are at that level why do some leaders get it and some don't
0: well i believe that everyone has natural leadership within them and Mm -hmm. it takes Other people around them. And I I don't want to just say mentor because I, in all the years I had several mentors, but I never called Dr. Deming and Perry. I never called them mentors. They were just, we worked together and they taught me and I learned. And um, so people can learn together. That's, that's the joy of all of this. uh, The joy of learning, working, improving, innovating together. And so The natural leadership can come out at any time. A a team leader, uh, they don't, no one has to have a title to be a natural leader. All they need to have is a purpose to uh, continually improve with other people to learn and improve with other people and work with other people to serve the customers. So many times we forget about the customers and that's why, well, I write a weekly column for the Silicon Valley Business Journal. It's called Ask Marcia. It's a, a leadership Q&A. Anyone can email me a question and I'll try to answer it in that column. And um, so I get, you know, all sorts of questions, but the and they're from any, anyone in an organization because, again, it's that natural leadership where people can make a difference. And it's just that question, how can I contribute to the aim of our uh, our team, our organization, to our customer? And how do we work together, even with our vendors, our, our suppliers? And I think that um, the when, when we're focusing, I, I always, I, one of the columns I was gonna mention, one of the columns that I wrote about was, and I would really love if this happened, I want the CEO or president, business owner of every organization to call their own company every week. I want them to experience what it's like to be a customer. The CEO Mm -hmm. of Delta or Southwest or any of the airlines, any of the hotels, any of the, Mm -hmm. you know, Companies that, you know, it's like the TV
1: show Undercover Boss at that point.
0: Exactly. Yes, yes. Just Mm -hmm. call and see how long does it, how long are you on hold? What kind of service do you get? What kind of quality? Because I would say underline everything, leadership, teamwork, uh, uh, workflow, the whole thing. The foundation is quality. What is the quality that we are living, breathing, delivering every day? I think, I think you asked a, a question earlier, and I didn't mention that that quality concept. But, but that is that is to me the foundation. I mean, I, I think there it's kind of like a three-legged stool. Quality as a business strategy, continual improvement as a business strategy, innovation as a business strategy. You need all three for survival and growth. Mm-hmm. But quality, you know, either have it or you don't. It's defined by the customer. But if you ask people, where is quality made? The answers are all over. But the, but the answer is quality is made in the boardroom or quality is made with the management team or quality is made with the business owner. Mm -hmm. That's where it's created. It
1: starts there and works its way and permeates through.
0: Yes. Or, or it doesn't. And then, and then it just, or whatever is there
1: permeates through if they don't have the right quality, that's going to permeate through as well.
0: Right. If they Mm -hmm. don't have the quality of the mindset about creating and optimizing their system and, they, that means that one thing that Dr. Deming gave us was a system of profound knowledge, and it's uh, he gave us four parts, and he and I kind of added a fifth because he always, you know, taught me to continue learning, to continue thinking and challenging. And so he taught about systems thinking, um, statistical thinking. That's how do you make decisions over time and In context. And he taught us about uh, the the psychology of people. Um, Do you motivate people or do you demotivate people? We think that we motivate people, but that's not the job of leadership. The job of leadership is not to motivate people because most of the time they demotivate them. The job of leadership is to create an environment where people are self motivated because that's where the power
1: is. And My then, expression has always been, you can't change anybody. You can only give them a reason to want to change themselves.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then the fourth part is a um, theory of knowledge. And that is how do you continually improve? And I added the fifth part that I've, I've found over the decades I've been um, working with, with teams and, and leaders, they have to be able to communicate. And that is not only talk, 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 but they need to really listen. Put out a question and listen, because the job of leadership is to learn and ask more questions and yeah. learn, and then, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating when we look at that, because that takes me back. One of the questions I asked you earlier was, "What are leaders missing today?" And without missing a beat, you said knowledge. And so there's so many ways. I had one of my mentors for years say, if you're not growing, you're dying. So we've got to gain the knowledge. Now, one of my quotes is, knowledge is not power without application. Right. So we can garner all the knowledge that we want if we don't apply that knowledge. People have heard of Deming. People may have heard of different things. Like you, I've been amazed at what people I would think would know even as simplistic as I teach some of the things when I'm working with frontline, but then I talk to the executive managers and they don't know it.
0: No. And most so, That was a shock for me that most people, even when Dr. Deming was alive, um, and I talked to people in Fortune 500 corporations and uh, across other sectors, and they had not even, they hadn't heard of Deming. Well, I hadn't heard of Deming either. You know, when I first went to, when Perry sent me off to his four day seminar, I didn't know who he was and he was in his eighties and he wasn't easy to understand. And all of this new vocabulary was, I, it took a lot of study. It was, you
1: didn't know what you didn't know. And you didn't know what you didn't have.
0: And that's what Dr. Deming said. He, he said, how could they know? How could they know they have anything to learn? And when they get the titles, they often think, well, I've got the title and people expect me to know. And some are arrogant, but some are afraid. And that's one of the things that I speak about. And I teach also is that fear erodes people, productivity, and profits, because until you identify the fear in your organization... And talk about it, and reduce the fear. You never get rid of it, but reduce the fear and build trust. And you build trust through communication. Ding
1: ding 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 ding. Yeah.
0: Every that's...
1: every episode, I've got to find a sound effect that I can use from the old days. <laughs> whenever the whenever a guest says the trust word, I go ding 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 because that is the foundation. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's the commitment to. I'm sorry,
1: I interrupted you there. I apologize.
0: No, 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 that's all right.
1: Um, Good. I want to get into the other couple of words about your book. Okay. So I'm going to come back to pivot because I have a question specifically about pivot, but disruption. Why do we want to disrupt?
0: Because the learning takes place at the edge of our com- comfort zone. Okay. And so, if we're not disrupting ourselves, or have a good teacher or coach that asks the questions that we haven't thought of before, we'll either we need to be disrupted continually to improve and innovate. Otherwise, we're going to get we're going to be stagnant, and we'll just go with let you know go with the status quo. I had. Um, one um, company president we were on an offsite and he said <laughs> at the first at the first you know lunchtime break he said marsha it doesn't bother me that we don't know the answers to your questions because we're pretty smart and we can figure them out what bothers me is i've been leading this company for 30 years and i've never thought of these questions and then another company president said to me Marsha, i've been struggling with these problems in this company for over 10 years and you come in and in a week you've identified them the the problems but not only that you're already guiding us through solving them because you're seeing what we don't see you're questioning things we don't we've never questioned and you're taking us to root causes we've never even
1: you didn't explored know before. It. Yeah. So disruption is key.
0: Absolutely. Uh, if you're not disrupting, then you're you're stagnant. You're not.
1: And that goes back to Zig Ziglar's quote. I love Zig, and we had his son Tom Ziglar on the show a few weeks ago. And one of Zig's one of my favorite Zigisms was the only difference between a rut and a grave is six feet. <laughs> and so that's what we're talking about is if we're not disrupting, we're going to get into that rut. And that's a problem. Right. So once we disrupt, then do we transform or do we have to pivot, disrupt, go back and examine is, is there a, does there a go back or does it just work or how does it work?
0: That's interesting. No one's ever asked me that question. I'm not sure that I've thought about it's not like it's not like a cycle that we go around and round different things come in at different times. The you know, the need to pivot or the disruption. It might come from inside or outside or um, Mm -hmm. uh, but the but the but all of them need to continually happen. So leaders have to continually pivot, they have to always be anticipating. I learned that from one of my first clients. Um, uh, I worked with the, the uh, a, a group of car dealerships owned by Mr. Honda's daughter. And the president one day said to him, talked about anticipating. And, and I, we were talking about that. I thought how powerful that is because Dr. Deming said too, management is prediction. And so when we have to think about where are we going, we have to like, we're like the pioneers coming across the United States for the first time. Did we know about, you know, the Mississippi River? No, we had to adapt. We saw it. We had to adapt. Did we know about the Rocky Mountains? No, we saw it. We had to adapt. So we have to constantly be scanning the environment, scouting out there, a- anticipating things, and then planning. How are we going to, you know, navigate these, these challenges that we have in life, in, in business, in okay. our organizations?
1: So how, how would you define the difference? I'm sitting here looking and thinking with what you're saying, pivot and transform. transform. Mm-hmm. What's the difference?
0: So, pivot is like I said, the abrupt di- directional change okay. and transformation you do over time. You're okay. continually, continually transforming.
1: Okay. And
0: that means transforming, um, people have to transform themselves and their teams and their organizations. And you go from the individual thinking about transformation to how do I make a difference with my team, in my organization, in my industry, and in society. So the transformation can be huge. It can be societal. And that's what Dr. Deming did when he helped Japan transform, when he helped Japan become a global competitor in so many industries. Right. And we do this, we need to do the same here. I mean, right now we have so many pivots to do, so many transformations to make, but I'm sad. Um, I'm hopeful, but sad. We don't have the leadership and to, to transform some of the systems that we have. For example, Education. Um David Carnes, who was uh, a, the CEO of Xerox some decades back, um, when he when he talked to Dr. Deming, one of the things he said was that if we fix our education system, we can fix a host of other problems, like um, gangs and at the time we didn't have the homelessness, you know issue. Um, or the mental um, health issues that we have today, the suicide rates, you know, the number of students dropping out of school. But he said we can we can fix a host of other problems in society if we focus on fixing our education system. And now we've got you know a mental health system we that we need we need to you know create and continually transform and improve. Yep. Okay. Um, just last week, I think it was announced that, um, you know, we ha- have the emergency 911, um, that we call, but now we have across the nation. If people, f- if anyone feels depressed or suicidal, now they can call 988.
1: Yep. I saw and that. that the is, news.
0: Yeah. That's, being- that's huge. Yeah, it's, it's being it's, you know, yeah. put across all the states, but they're doing it, you know, it's kind of like not uh, flowing yet because all the states are different right. in their application, but it'll come along.
1: As we get down the line here, I want to ask one question back on Pivot, and I want to take it back to our leaders. Susan is a leader in her team. She's got five or six people. You know, small team, small to medium company. Mm-hmm. What advice would you tell Susan for how to pivot? How to
0: pivot. So that team understands understanding how they fit in to contributing to the whole of their organization. That's okay. one thing.
1: How they fit and become a cog in that big wheel.
0: So, what are they? What is this team contributing? To the whole organization to make a difference and to serve their customers. Okay. So I would. And their
1: customers, let's be clear, their customers could be external or internal. Absolutely. Okay.
0: And they want to. I would guide Susan to grab the strategic compass and make sure that that team is clear about answering the questions. <laughs> so, what's our purpose? By what method? What do they stand for? Um, how are they measuring their progress and success? And, um, and identifying specifically who their customers are, what do they need, and how do you know? And if because every process improvement, our project team, Um, that comes together to work on something, as well as a management team, any team can use that strategic compass. The key, like I mentioned, is the arrows. How do they, how are they interdependent and how do they interact with the other teams or, and the organization as a whole? So it's, how do we contribute?
1: Can people download or get a copy of your strategic compass? Uh, it's in your book, right?
0: It is in the book. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's on the website. I can have I can put it up on the website if it's not up there.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and there's also what I would recommend on the website. There is a a two page leadership self assessment. I invite everyone to to take that self assessment
1: okay it's
0: maybe uh, in the book it's on pages 7 and 8 and i think there are um looking here i don't even know if i numbered um there's about there's about 20 questions probably okay. would take people less than 10 minutes to complete it and learn more about themselves and their organization
1: i will make sure that we get uh, that link and put it into our notes for the podcast So that people be able to click directly from that. So uh, I'm excited about getting that link and putting it in play for folks. Uh, If they want to get your book, the book again is called Pivot, Disrupt, Transform. And it's Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A. And Dashko is D-A-S-Z-K-O. I want to make sure we get your spelling right because if people are looking you up on Amazon, they may not get the spelling right. So I want to make sure we got both of those right. Um, Pick up the book. It's it's a powerful tool. Um, any last closing words or thoughts that you want to share with our, our uh, listeners today, Marsha?
0: One thing is, I encourage them to go to my website or and link with me on LinkedIn because I the website especially I have used that as my create something and put it there. So it is it has so many resources. There's a white paper about transformation. There's a white paper about uh, innovation. There's a blog. There's uh, about 30 podcasts. Um, there's um, uh, what else? The, my speaker. My speaker sheet, if uh, mm-hmm. people want me to come in and speak to their, you know, at a conference or in their organization or facilitate um, a management retreat, a lot of that information is there, plus my, you know, all my contact. So, sure. and I'm really want to, you know, be a resource. So if people would, you know, I invite them to link with me on LinkedIn, it's much easier to find me on LinkedIn with my unique spelling than, you know, me trying to find a, you know, let's say a a, a Tom Kelly or a Mary Smith or.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll make sure we have your, uh, your website posted and that link for that um, strategic compass uh, idea and your, in your leadership assessment. That's, that's what I was looking for there. Great. It's, it's been a powerful day, uh, picking up ideas that we can always use. You know, once a week, I tell everybody that with the teamwork advantage, you get ideas that you can implement immediately. And with Marsha today, she's giving us those ideas. Now I've always said, knowledge is not power without application, right? She's giving you a lot of knowledge today. It's time for you to go out and apply it until next week. Remember having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the teamwork advantage podcast we know you're not average. So go today and make today excellent and exceptional. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com That's T-E-A-M-S R-O-C-K dot com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a weight week because a good week is just being average.